Welcome to Busy Moms Podcast. Hang on and here we go. Let's talk about Jezebel. (laughs) One of the baddest of the baddies. Pure evil. (laughs) So who was this lady? Was she a temptress? Yeah. I would think definitely. Okay. (laughs) Because that's how the world portrays her. Kind of. yeah. Yeah. So we're going to explain the real Jezebel. Because yes, while movies and the world and everybody portrays her to be this beautiful temptress and always dancing around in all these slinky little outfits and everything, but Jezebel was pretty bad. There's Yeah, there's a whole lot more evil than we even thought that we would find. So let's start out with she grew up in a temple. Uh, I'm not sure if it was to Asherah or Baal. Her father was the priest of the temple and he killed the king and became king he usurped his leader so she became a princess and then ahab gets to marry her which god is not happy about and ahab was the king of israel yes ahab the king of israel he is the son of omri god was not happy with him from the beginning because his father was not obedient and ahab himself was not obedient so he married jezebel and and it was, God was not happy with that. And it was for a political alliance. Yeah. I mean, it at, was two countries coming together. So basically. just remember that. It wasn't about love. Who but knows if they even met? They, they probably, no, half these people didn't even meet. <laughs> 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 They're just like, you're getting married. And you're like, okay. And But this one was political. There was no Definitely. love or anything going on with this one. At the same time, we have Ahab and Jezebel. Who Ahab, he pulled no punches. He had Asherah poles put in like right next to the palace and temples the ball put in right away. He was like, here's my gift to my new wife. Here's all these things that were detestable to God. Yeah. Here's your religion next to my religion. Here's your religion and I'm going to forgo my religion Mm -hmm. for yours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Basically. She shows she is a powerful woman. She's cunning. She's intelligent. And she enjoys power. She's a very strong personality. Yes. At the same point in time that this is going on, we have the prophet of God, Elijah. And Elijah, he is going to stand for God because God said so. And it doesn't matter what's in front of him. Doesn't matter what's happening. Right. Lots of cool things happen with Elijah. He's got his his moment where he gets filled with the spirit and runs faster than a chariot with horses. (laughs) One of my favorite parts. But Jezebel, she doesn't waste any time either. So she starts killing off God's prophets, right? She gets them down to, I think there were like a hundred left. And the, the manager of the palace, Obadiah, hides them in caves. I have no idea what happens to them after that. But Elijah felt alone in his work. So I don't know if it's that that they couldn't get out of the caves or if they were found and were killed there, but he felt alone. This Here's the great miracles. One of my favorite parts of the Bible is when you've got all of these priests of Baal and then you've got Elijah. Elijah's like, okay, let's have a God off. <laughs> <laughs> You pray to your God, and I'll pray to mine. You build your altar, and I'll build mine. And then we'll call down our God and see who burns up the sacrifice. And he said, you go first. Oh, yeah. He was like, I insist. (laughs) (laughs) Not only you go first, but then he's taunting them. Maybe you need to yell louder. (laughs) 
Do you Maybe think he's sleepy? <laughs> but he did this. He did this in all of Israel because he asked Ahab. He he asked the king to bring all of Israel to see this god off, whose god was better. So you have all of Israel standing around, and all the like. What did they say? Four hundred priests or priestesses. Yeah. One hundred and fifty. It was four hundred and fifty people trying to call on their god, and Elijah standing there by himself, going, "I think you need to be louder." <laughs> he didn't hear you. So. Nothing happens with Baal. Of course, Baal doesn't show up. Why? Because Baal doesn't actually exist. Elijah, he's like, okay, not only did you fail, but I'm going to up the ante. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) dig a nice big old ditch around the altar and then cover it in water. Just keep pouring on the water until the ditch is completely filled up, right? And God, man, he didn't waste any time. He not only burned up the sacrifice and he burned up the altar, he burned up the water, he burned up the dirt. He burned it all. The all-powerful almighty came, he showed up and he showed him exactly who he was, right? Mm -hmm. So then Elisha has those priests killed, all the priests of Baal, takes them all out. 450 of them. All of Israel had seen what had happened. Happened. Yeah. And so they were like, yep, He's the real one, and we're going to do what he says. God, meaning, you know. Right. So Jezebel hears all this, and she's mad because mm. now all her priests are, are dead. So she says, may God judge me harshly if I don't do to you what you did to my priests. By, by the end of tomorrow. Yeah, by, mm-hmm. by like tomorrow. Elijah runs away, and he runs into the desert because he's scared. Believe me, we had a long discussion about why we thought he ran away because here he is. He saw what God can do. I mean, I don't know about you, but I would be like filled with the Holy Spirit. Like I would be on cloud nine. On my face. Nine. Yeah, on like my face. Here he gets a threat by Jezebel and he runs. He's like, I'm out. Yeah, his humanity kicked in. <laughs> yeah. He's and his like, self-preservation um, was this like. This lady does scare me, so I'm going to take mm-hmm. a road or I'm going to take a long trip away from here. <laughs> right. Read what it says in your study Bible about how that helps us just a bit because all things work for God's glory right he can use all things for his glory so Elijah runs away but look what we get because Elijah ran away and he said go out and stand on the mount before the Lord and behold the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord but the Lord was not in the wind and after the wind an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? His response is great, too. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Like that's kind of heartbreaking. It is. It makes it's it's kind of sad. And here is the footnote. It says the Holy Spirit does not always impel godly people. He lets them do some things in accordance to their own will and wish. When Elijah killed the prophets of Baal, he was impelled by the Holy Spirit. Yet later on, when Jezebel's wrath had been reported to him, he fears for himself. He is not commanded by God to withdraw. His reason kept telling him that he would be safe if he hid in the desert. These facts were recorded to comfort us who have no other thought about the saints than they were blocks of logs without feeling. <laughs> it says, before this, he was not afraid of the king. Now he runs away from a woman. 
Accordingly, all this seems to be foolish, but it shows great understanding and is very helpful because it is recorded for the comfort of the churches that we may know how merciful God is. We may indeed be evil and weak, provided that we are not found among those who persecute, hate, and blasphemy God. God wants to have patience with our weaknesses. And it's like you get to see this great man of God. Humble just a little bit. You get to see his humanness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. So I'm not I'm not being a horrible, faithless thing by being scared. Yeah. It's not unrealistic to no. be scared. Like this is normal. Even our heroes of the Bible They're felt human. these same things. Yeah. And they got scared, even though God was with them the whole time. They still got scared. I like to hear I that like it's okay that. to be it's scared okay sometimes. <laughs> it's okay to be scared. God's here regardless, but it's okay to have those overwhelmed. That's what makes us human. Right. So Ahab wanted a vineyard. Yeah, he so wanted this, this down the road or whatever. A little bit. Yeah, yeah a little so bit. Years. Ahab wanted Naboth's vineyard because it was close to the palace. It was good land. He wanted to be able to see it. Blah, blah, blah. He wanted it and he goes to Naboth and he's like, I'll buy it. I'll pay you whatever you want. And Ava said, no, because this is the land handed down to me and it would be a sin to sell it. He couldn't sell it. He wasn't supposed to sell it. So Ahab kind of threw a temper tantrum and went and sulked. In 1 Kings chapter 21, after Naboth explains why he can't give him the inheritance of his father, and Ahab, he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. Yeah, he was sulking and refused to eat. <laughs> but it even says that it just, I just, I remember myself as a teenager, like mad that I've been told no and going home and just throwing myself on the bed. <laughs> like I went downstairs to ask to go somewhere. Mom says no. And I'm just like, oh, and I run upstairs and just throw myself on the bed and pout. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking that this king is doing. Yeah, basically. His wife Jezebel came in and asked him, why are you so sullen? Why won't you eat? And he answered her, because I said to Naboth the Jezreelite, sell me your vineyard, or if you prefer, I will give you another vineyard in its place. But he said, I will not give you my vineyard. And Jezebel, his wife said, is this how you act as king over Israel? <laughs> like, dang. <laughs> Get up and eat. Cheer up. I'll get you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. Like, she took charge right then and there. <laughs> Stop your whining. I'll get it for you. Mm-hmm. Almost as a mom. Yeah. Kind of. Kind almost. Of. This is weird. Kind, kind of, yeah. I'm going to take charge, and I'm going to do this for you because you're behaving like a five-year-old. <laughs> so <laughs> she wrote the letters in Ahab's name, placed a seal on them, and sent them to the elders of the nobles who lived in the Naboth city with him. In those letters she wrote, Proclaim a day of fasting and seat Naboth in a prominent place among the people, but seat two scoundrels opposite him and have them testify that he has cursed both God and the king, and then take him out and stone him to death. The reason why she does this is because it requires two witnesses mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and a public audience in order to slander his name in order to have him put to death, he would have had to speak out against the king and against God. Then there would be no issue. All for a piece of land. All, she set him All up. for a piece of land for Ahab, all for just because she wanted to. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the elders and the nobles who lived in Naboth City did as Jezebel directed in the letters that she had written to them. Right? But for just for a second, a pause on that. When you're reading this, in the beginning, she says she wrote the letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal. 
But then it goes on to say, you know, did as Jezebel had sent word to them. Yes. So it's not saying Ahab, because for all they knew, Ahab did it because it's his work. But they knew who who called the shots that she sent to him. So... They they knew, they even knew. though it had his seal on it, that it was her doing. Yeah, because then they sent word to Jezebel, not Ahab. They sent word to Jezebel, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. They knew it, it was Ahab's seal mm-hmm. and in Ahab's name, but they didn't go to Ahab with the news. No. They went to Jezebel with the news, mm-hmm. which tells me they knew that it was her that signed the order in the first place. It's just a testament that it wasn't just Jezebel that knew she ruled the roost. It was the country Tree. knew oh, yeah, yeah. that she was in charge. But who comes and visits Ahab while he's walking through his, his, new, his vineyard. new vineyard? That his <laughs> wifey got for him. Mm-hmm. Who comes to visit, Gretchen? His favorite prophet. <laughs> Elijah. <laughs> <laughs> and Elijah, well, Elijah brings down the, the hammer on him just a bit. This is what the Lord says. Have you not murdered a man and seized his property? This is what the Lord says. In the place where the dogs licked up Naboth's blood, dogs will lick up your blood. Yes, yours. Ahab says to Elijah, So you have found me, my enemy. I have found you. Because you have sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. Sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. I'm going to bring disaster on you. I will consume your descendants and cut off from Ahab every last male in Israel, slave or free. I will make your house like that of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and that of Basha, son of Ahaja, because you have provoked me to anger and have caused Israel to sin. And concerning Jezebel, the Lord says, the dogs will devour Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Dogs will eat those belonging to Ahab who die in the city, and the birds of the air will feed on those who die in the country. When Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes, put on a sackcloth, and fasted. So he was repentant, at least a little bit. (laughs) For a little while. And then he's like, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Have you noticed how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself, I will not bring this disaster in his day, but I will bring it on his house in the days of his son. In other words, because he repented in that moment, because he... Had a genuine moment of Right, where he he tried. God said, okay, not while you're alive. This won't happen while you're alive. But as soon as you die, (laughs) it's all going to happen. Like, it's going to happen. Then we go forward a little bit. So Ahab, he himself dies in battle. He is shot with an arrow. He dresses someone else up as king because he knew that they were all going to gun for him. Mm -hmm. So he had somebody else dress up as king, and then he just dressed up as a regular guy. And then when they discovered that that wasn't the king, they left him, left that guy alone. And then some random archer shoots him, shoots Ahab. And as he's fleeing the battle and going somewhere else, he bleeds out and he dies. And they're cleaning his chariot in that area like Jezreel. (laughs) (laughs) And the dogs lick up his blood. Hmm, so there's, there's there's part one of the prophecy. Jehu, he gets anointed. Well, that's interesting in the in its own story. He is anointed, and his job is to get rid of Ahab's descendants, basically. You're king over Israel. It's time to take it back, and it's time to clean this out. He meets Ahaziah and Joram. Joram. 
and they come riding out to him. Hey, Jihu, what's up? <laughs> and he's like, or, or they're like, are you friend or foe? And he's like, I'm not friends with anybody who's in charge of a country who's got that woman in charge. But where they met, though, the significance of where they met, too. Yeah. They met at the vineyard. At the vineyard. Yep. That Ahab had stolen, in a sense, from Naboth and his family. With his wife's help. What I like about this part right here is the actual wording in the Bible. It says that when Joram saw Jehu, he said, is it peace, Jehu? He answered, what peace can there be as long as the whoring and the sorceries of your mother Jezebel are so many? When Joram reined about this and fled, saying to Azira, treachery, O Azira. And Jehu drew his bow with his full strength and shot Joram in the shoulders. Shot him through the back. Back. Right into his heart. Right into his heart. By Joram. And then he shoots Ahaziah, Mm -hmm. and he dies on the way in his chariot. And then he goes after Jezebel. And I love how this goes, right? We're on 2 Kings 9, verse 30. Then Jehu went to Jezreel. When Jezebel heard about it, she painted her eyes and arranged her hair and looked out of a window. As Jehu entered the gate, she asked, Have you come in peace, Zimri, you murderer of your master? He looked up at the window and called out, Who was on my side? Who? Two or three eunuchs looked down at him. Throw her down, Jehu said. So they threw her down. Some of her blood splattered the wall and the horses as they trampled her underfoot. Then Jehu went in and ate and drank. Take care of that cursed woman, he said, and bury her, for she was a king's daughter. But when they went out to bury her, they found nothing except her skull, her feet, and her hands. They went back and told Jehu, who said, This is the word of the Lord that he spoke through his servant Elijah, the Tishbite. On the ground at Jezreel, dogs will devour Jezebel's flesh. Jezebel's body will be like refuse on the ground in the plot at Jezreel, so that no one will be able to say, this is Jezebel. And then he kills all of Ahab's descendants. You know, She knew he was coming. She knew no. what he did. Mm-hmm. And she painted up her face and went to the window to greet him. That took something. She did not look scared. Mm-mm. She was not hiding in a corner. Nope. She that didn't woman run. stood out the window and greeted the person that was going to kill her. <laughs> she yes. was, And she was in a window that was up high High. so he had to look up at her so see she was she was calculating Mm -hmm. i mean it goes back to her being cunning she made sure she was in like the highest Highest point point. Mm -hmm. looking down on him and she called him zimri which was a traitor so she's calling him a traitor and notice he doesn't he doesn't respond to her no he doesn't talk to her at all no he talks to her servants who kill her? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who he just says, throw her out the window. And they're just like, okay. Okay. Yep. Immediately. <laughs> she might not. Uh, okay. Okay. If she were a great, nice person, maybe, maybe they would not have, you know, so readily, readily pushed her? her out the window. Yeah. And I love how he go. you know, she dies and he goes and has lunch. <laughs> And it wasn't and, even just like a, it was a brutal death. Yeah. Like they're saying there's blood on the wall and the horses are walking trampling, across, trampling, trampling, her, trampling body. her body. Yeah. And he and goes, he in, goes and have lunch. So there's, lunch. yeah, it's gore. And he's just like, I'm hungry. You know, <laughs> he's a soldier. Yeah. Well, and then yeah, says, clearly. go out and bring her remain. Bury he her. her curse, he calls her a cursed a woman. A cursed woman. Yep. You know, and go bury her for go she bury was a king's daughter. Because she was a king's daughter. daughter. Right. Which is not in accordance with what God wanted. No. But God had his way anyway because God took care of it yeah. while he wasn't having lunch. Yeah, because they didn't acknowledge she was queen of Israel. Mm-mm. They were not going to nope. give her that. 
honor at all. No, she didn't deserve it. But what lessons can we learn from this purely evil woman? <laughs> what we learn? What we learn? Like father, like daughter? They both took out some people to get the stature that they wanted. Ooh. I'm pretty sure she was not all that high on human life. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. did child sacrifices in those temples. Murder little, was just like teeny tiny natural to her. It, it was normal. natural. It, was, yep. it wasn't anything out of the ordinary for her to say, nah, take those people out. I want that land. Yeah. Like murder just was almost like second nature yeah. to her. Yeah. So she just, she kind of, she, she followed her father's footsteps because yeah. I mean, he was a priest who killed a king mm-hmm. and then said, I'm king now. Usurper. So yeah, he he was a usurper, and it didn't you know from what we gathered, it, it was just it was a normal day for him. It was just like I'm going to take the king out, and now I am king. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I mean, she she had that tendency, had as, well tendency as well to not care. She could turn and that off. That and saw that in the temple. I'm sure she saw that all the time. Yeah, I'm sure. But um, what about the way she treated her husband? Yeah, like how they obviously didn't work together. There was a power struggle. We can't even call it a power struggle. There was just one really strong person in this relationship. <laughs> even when Jezebel wrote that letter, put the stamp on it, told him to take care of it, they came back to her. Yep, they didn't go to him. They didn't go to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when, I mean, just how she carried herself, I mean, how she just basically, I mean, even at the time when he was pouting. <laughs> because yeah. <laughs> get the yeah, he's pouting and she's just like, okay, I'm going to handle I'm this. I'm just going to take care of it. I'll just take care of it. Like... Yeah. Well, it's like, what it, what is it that she said to him? Is this how a king of Israel acts? You yeah. know, yeah. paraphrasing. But yeah, you, you truly saw the amount of power, power she, she had, had when you read that part. And that's probably yep. why it's in the Bible to show the amount of power this and control this woman had over not just the country, but the king itself, yeah. himself. In today's world, you don't hear a lot about being equals in a marriage. A lot. You no. know, being partners. Um, it's very... Um, well, there's just a struggle, you know. Women are supposed to be strong and um, nurturing and caring, and you know, but also, but they can be the leaders, and we can run the yeah. world, and that's that's fine and dandy. There are women in this world that can be leaders, but at the same time, with your husbands ruling over your husband, you know, I don't think that ends well for you. No. I don't think that ends well for a lot of people. Oh, I watched this thing the other day and they were talking about marriage. And it was was the couple that they were celebrating their 40th wedding anniversary. And their first thing she said was marriage is not a partnership. Marriage is not a partnership. It is not a compromise. It is not 50-50. It's 100-100. See, that's what I believe. You are for your man 100 and he is for you 100. Yeah, like it's not 50-50. Like both of us don't make 100. We both come in at 100. That's right. I didn't think so of it's it like, that way. Like I see that she that she wanted to get for him what what he wanted. Did mm-hmm. she want to get for him what he wanted because he was whining or because she wanted to make him happy? I yeah, think she did know. it just because she could. She's this strong mm-hmm. person who just did it. Was that good for him? No, I don't think it was good for him. It wasn't good for anybody because they all ended up dead because of it. Mm-hmm. Look at what happened because of what she did. Yeah, uh, Ephesians five twenty two and and. 25 this verse these verses can sometimes get twisted or can offend a little bit nobody likes to hear the word submit but Ephesians 5:22 says wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord and then it goes on husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her so it's not just wives we need to be submissive and do whatever the head of the household tells us you know we have to submit to the Lord as well in all yeah. honesty and mm-hmm. it's and that's what he's saying submit to your husbands just as you do to God but husbands 
You have to love your wife just as God loves the church and gave himself up for her. The That's sacrifice right. that, that ultimate, God gave. Yeah. Ultimate sacrifice. The ultimate sacrifice. That is something that husbands have to do as well. You know, that's... Um, They're not a good model for having marriage. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> you know, there's, there's the, there's the leadership, the head of the household, which is husbands and the sacrifice that they have to. Do you want to say have? But yeah, what they have to do, the sacrifice of, of dying for your family and for them protecting. But the other leadership is the servant leadership, which is what we as wives do. You know, we're behind closed doors, almost in a sense, keeping everything running, and that's still a leader because the household is running. That's yeah. right. You know, the family, and it's not even always the household. The family is running. The family is functioning. The man gets to the husband, you know, makes maybe say the big picture decisions. And it's the wife that gets the ball rolling underneath, mm. you know, but you're still supporting him. So it's, well, and you're making decisions together. Yeah. There's not one person just making decisions. You guys are working together, which Jezebel and Ahab did they not. Didn't. No, they both had their own courses that they were just. You had one that was a bulldozer, and you had the other one who was just like, eh, I'll just go along with it. He didn't do anything to stop it. He didn't do anything to right things. I mean, yes, he did repent when he found out that his wife was going to be killed or that it was eaten by dogs. Eaten by dogs. Yeah. And what and a missed was, opportunity there. Yeah. He could have made, maybe made some other changes. And I mean, the, the biggest thing that God did for him was that it wasn't going to be done in his lifetime. But he didn't have to see it. Yeah, I think that, he didn't was, have a, to see it, that yeah. was definitely a mercy. That he, but I mean, in the end, I mean, obviously, this is not um, the relationship or marriage that you want to emulate. No, <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, and just an aside, when your own close employees are willing to chuck you out of a window, maybe you should have been a better boss. Just you know, putting that out there. Nobody wants to work for a witch. <laughs> no. Nobody, nobody wants to do that. It's And that's that can be tough sometimes to rein that power in. There's a, there's a difference between having the confidence to know what you're doing and you're just, in lack of better words again, a bulldozer that you're just going to yeah. do what you want because it's about what you get and not what the good is for your staff the members. Overall, yeah. yeah, the overall goal of the team or whatever i mean if you're just out for yourself then i, I mean you're not going to be helping anybody you're not going to be in a leader while you may be in a leadership role but you're not leading anybody other than yourself yeah and that's kind of what jezebel did mm -hmm. well she did it with the whole country she did <laughs> <laughs> well let's end with some prayer after we've learned about this truly evil woman Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this story of Jezebel in First and Second Kings, um, and the lessons that we can take away of how a marriage should not be, and how power can, when it's in our possession, can go completely wrong. Be with each and every one of us who is listening and and going through things, just to remember our marriage is a partnership with each other. We are to lift up and support one another. It's not one-sided. Uh, and, and in our workplace, if we are in leadership roles, Lord, I ask that you be with them and, and remind them that it's not just, you know, their goal, but the team's goal. And to remember to take a step back sometimes and, and treat people with respect. And those of us that have been raised in maybe not a non-Christian household or, or or just bad habits, Lord, help us to break those chains and not become a victim of our circumstances. Thank you for these women that are with me today as we have dived into this and be with each and every person as they go on their way. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. 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 Our blessings to you and remember to fight for those 39 minutes. <laughs>